Okay, I'm Nick Bircher, and this is the Nordic Future Makers podcast, a podcast about innovation and change. Today's Nordic Future Maker is Roland Philippe Kretschmer, who is head of digital customer and e-business at Store Enzo in Stockholm. So, Roland, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, can you tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do, please? Yes. So, well, as you said, my name is Roland Philip Kretschmar. And even though I'm based in, in, in Stockholm, Sweden, originally I'm from Switzerland, hence my kind of French German name. But I grew up in Stockholm. I lived most of my life in, in Sweden. Uh, I have Swiss Swedish uh, passport uh, and also have family in France and Finland, actually. So I to be honest, I feel pretty European. I feel at home uh, all over Europe. <laughs> and yeah, as you said, I work as head of digital customer in e-business and Storanzo. And um, I think that, you know, early on in my career, whatever I dealt with, which was technology or, or, or digital, was fairly basic stuff. Of course, it was 20 years ago, so, so the landscape was different. But it, it also connects back to my own personal development that the older I get, or let's say the more experience I, I gain, the more I want to deep dive, the more complex issues I want to solve. Transitioning from communicate the communications industry towards more innovation management, and then now fully emerged into to digital innovation. Okay, so let's dig into Stora Enzo a bit more. I understand it, it's the world's oldest corporation. Yes, exactly. I mean, um, I did some research before I joined Stora Enzo, and it seems to be the world's oldest it's a registered company. However, I found uh, that there are some inns and hotels in Japan that are older. <laughs> so, you know, that might have been in the same family for 40 generations or something. But yes, it's true. I think it was, was it 1288, the share, the share. I think I read it was 1288, the share certificate was issued. And it's gone through all of these different transformations over the years. That's correct. Yes. So today's business is based on kind of wood and paper and forestry? Yes, I mean, we employ over 25,000 people in more than 30 countries. So we're a truly global company and we're listed both in Helsinki and Stockholm. And uh, we usually say that, you know, we're a leading global provider of renewable solutions in then packaging, biomaterials, wooden construction and paper. And of course, everything that we do originates from the forest the tree and um, you know as you say we we are i mean I, I would say that the real reason for our success is that we are constantly transforming ourselves and, and we are constantly adjusting to how the market evolves and of course we we have seen in in, in the past couple of years changing consumption behaviors when it comes to parts of our product portfolio but of course then since we are now looking for new sustainable ways of living and uh, th- there are other parts of our, our, our business that are thriving because, you know, we, we try our best to really provide the market with truly sustainable products. And that's something so it's kind of over the years, it's gone from copper to iron to more, as we say, forestry and paper products and things like that. And sustainability has been a key key part of it in recent times but there's also this big drive for digitalization and and digital transformation which is where which is where you fit into everything 
Yes. So, I mean, we, we have what we call the digitalization and new services unit. And uh, our primary function is to identify, fund and support digitalization. The digitalization that we then, you know, drive is, is there to really optimize processes, but also find new business models. And I would say challenge ourselves quite a lot. And this unit is led by Samuel Savo, who is uh, chief digital officer, my boss as well which is then part of a bigger IT digitalization family led by Timo Salmi, who is uh, senior vice president and CIO and head of digitalization. And one of the reasons for, for the success of the Digi unit, as we call it, is that we have invested every year quite a significant amount of money and time into accelerating digital innovation. So, for example, every year we, we open up what we call the Digi Fund, so it is quite a formal process. Twice a year, we, we, we have these open rounds where anyone in the company can then submit ideas uh, for digital transformation or innovation. There is then a jury, um, me included, who then reviews these, re these ideas and, and, and requests. And if we find that it can you know, provide business benefit, then we grant the money basically to support either the concept creation or the proof of concept or the first pilot or the first implementation or the scale up it depends on you know where the where where it is in the innovation funnel let's say so i think that that's it really interesting because you've got on the one hand the world let's call it one of the world's oldest corporations but then on the other hand you've got this really big push towards digital you're funding startups you're kind of trying to accelerate things you've got the whole piece piece happening you know, I think we are changing the way we operate. I mean, the product is still key to our success, of course. But we are, like any other global company, realizing that, you know, the traditional physical product might not be enough in the future. So, you know, we are constantly exploring also, uh, let's say, the portfolio of what we sell, what we serve the market with. And that's where digitalization plays a, a big role. Also behind the scenes, let's say, you know, in the background, digitalization is very, very important to how we run the mills, the factories, for how we, you know, support our colleagues in the way they work or for how we serve the market and customers by, by for example, offering e-business solutions. That's why it's important. Then what I think is the beauty of this little machine is that the, all the ideas that are truly coming from the business. So, I mean, of course, we have ideas ourselves, but most of the ideas really come from, from the business owners, the business stakeholders, many times also from the customer side. And we are here then to fund, support and build those ideas. And we are very dependent on the external network. And I must say this, this is very, very important. So when we then grant money, most of that money, to be honest, goes to are different partners in the ecosystem. So it can either be, you know, the big blue ship consultancy firms or startups that we collaborate with. In the past three years, we have screened over 1,100 startups uh, globally. And we have established, uh, you know, deeper collaboration with over 20 of those. So I think we're pretty well experienced now also in the startup community. We, we have a very good collaboration uh, through Combient and Combient Foundry in the, in the startup community. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So Combient is kind of a joint venture that you're obviously one of one of the leading players in, but can you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Combient it, it has been, let's say, funded and uh, or f- founded and funded by big global Nordic, I mean Nordic-based industrial companies, right, such as ourselves. And the primary function uh, is that it, they support us in accelerating digitalization. And they provide us a bridge towards the market and academia, etc. And especially through Combient Foundry, which is the startup platform, we can de- we then get support by them in, in meeting, uh, screening, uh, and, and also collaborating with startups globally. So basically, you could say that Combient and Combient Foundry is a bit like a consultancy firm, but that are you know part of our ecosystem. And then what we do is, for example, we um, we announce uh, several times a year uh, open calls for for startups to collaborate with us. And this our partner companies also do. Sometimes we do it in collaboration. For example, we have an open call now together with Tetra Pak. And we then search for startups that can help us solve very specific problems. And, uh, you know, some examples of, of um, projects that have um, emerged through the Combient collaboration is, for example, 23 dot ai it's uh, where we developed like a satellite imagery analysis solution to monitor health conditions of forests or sulapak with whom we developed a fully biodegradable straw we have collaborated with tra group uh, and and then started a, an initiative called heal and heal then develops platforms for digital services that is offered towards the building industry so we then together with the building industry can innovate construction using wood products but also digital solutions so i mean there are a lot of examples but it's it's quite a concrete platform because um you know we, we're really trying to solve very very specific problems i think that's a really fun way of doing it so on the one hand you've got you have a a business with customers and you have salespeople and you have product managers and things like that so on that side of things you're trying to help them do their business more effectively by using digital but then on the other side you've got this thing which is about how do you change the business how do you innovate how do you find new products how do you find new partners how do you work with other people to try and drive things forward But I think this whole area of digital transformation is, is not something you come to work and suddenly everything's transformed by the end of the day. No, it, it, it's a lot of hard work. And I mean, now we just mentioned, you know, the, the some some examples of, of, of startup collaborations. But if we, for example, look inside of Stora Enso, we, we have um, developed a lot of different digital solutions related to operations, for example. And that is led by one of my colleagues, um, Marco, who leads the smart operation stream. We have done a huge number of projects together with the mills, the factories globally, trying to understand how we can uh, optimize operations. And I mean, some examples is warning device to avoid collisions between humans and vehicles and warehouses, using AI to predict uh, web breaks on board and paper production lines, Visual remote monitoring solutions with real-time data, advanced an- analytics tools to optimize debarking and sawing on wood logs. I mean, so you know, the list goes on and on. But <laughs> those are 
concrete examples where digitalization truly brings us business benefits. And in addition to that, we then also have two other streams, so transparent supply chain and digital customer. And and the digital customer stream is, is the one that I lead. Okay. And what's involved in that? So you're just talking about the products and the business and how digital is helping it to become more efficient and more productive. What's your side with the customer? So how are you using digital to help that customer process? Usually when I try to summarize what I do at work, <laughs> I usually say that you know the, the, the stream that I'm leading in the Digi unit, we're here to accelerate digital innovation in sales, marketing, communications, and customer experience. Okay, so basically, we're here to find new ways of serving our markets. And of course, then, there's a lot of different elements into this. When we talk about accelerating digitalization and, and trying to you know, explore new emerging technologies and experiment with, with, with the support of the DigiFund, etc., then we, we have a lot of different examples. I mean, we have developed different BIM tools for building solutions, bioeconomy, VR showroom design management tools, dynamic pricing, demand forecasting, virtual forest assistance, etc., etc. I mean, there's a long list there as well, right? But then in addition to, let's say, the accelerating of, of digital innovation, we also have, uh, you know, everything related to e-business. So we, we have a lot of different platforms and applications that we use to serve our customers with. So it, it's anything related to web shops, e-commerce, but also other applications. And of course, we need to manage those, develop those in the best possible way. And, you know, as I said earlier, we might have the world's best products, but we also, of course, want to have the world's best services. So that's also part of the, the scope. Very recently, we also launched a global digital commercial excellence program. So basically leveraging all our capabilities in this area and, and, and really push this with, with, with high speed and high priority. Okay. So you've got this this thing of in the old days it used to be a handshake and a trade show is how business is done, but you're trying to really help that come into the future with digital solutions and digital business and and those sort of pieces. Yes, and I mean our industry is, is still uh, quite traditional to be very honest, and and that's also one of the the reasons I wanted to start working at Storenzo in this specific role because I, I see a lot of opportunity for us to change. Of course, having said that. It's not only that we are traditional, but also our customers are traditional. So it might take some time to change the way we work, the way we serve the market and, and the way the customers want to do business with us. However, we clearly see an increasing demand for self-service, for automation, for you know, increasing uh, collaboration around data and you know, transparency throughout the whole value chain, supply chain, and especially the big global companies that they... they want as much automation as possible. We also have, of course, a huge number of smaller niche, you know, customers that might not be as advanced when it comes to digital transformation. And and then, of course, we have to continue to serve them in the way they preferred, which might not then entail digital tools. Can you talk us through kind of what you think the key is for people who are thinking about digital transformation? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we get the people on board, if we have the processes working, and if the customers are collaborating with us, because the glue holding all of this together is data. So 
So the data is where we can learn. So it, it's kind of, it's the blueprint, the glue, the, I would say the necessary and uh, every company has data. We have data. We've existed for 750 years. We have too much data. But I, I would say that the really successful companies, they can truly collect, aggregate, understand data and translate it into actionable insights. And, you know, it, it's a bit of a cliche to say that, you know, data is the key for digital transformation. But I truly believe that the ones and the zeros is the key. To success and understanding the ones and the zeros and what, what it means for the business and and okay. this is of course something that you know all big old companies are are, are you know struggling with and are, are working hard on and of course that's why we see that you know let's say they're not new anymore but the digital first companies you know the amazons the facebook's the google's etc i mean they have that as part of the dna it's just part of the the, the business structure from the very very beginning so of course they have an advantage. So it's it's collect, having the structures and the systems in place to be able to collect numbers and proof points, and then it's having the people who are able to interpret those numbers and understand what they mean and how that relates to success or failure. Yes, but also I mean just one example. Let's imagine that we could create a digital twin of everything in in the world, everything in nature as well, right? So let's say that, uh, you know, we would have a digital twin of, uh, of a tree, right? That would mean that we could then track and trace that tree all the way from the forest to the, I don't know, the, the finished paneled on a wooden skyscraper or something, right? That okay. would then give us exactly the kind of transparency in the value chain that, you know, at the end of the day, we would like to offer and that our customers would maybe expect in the future, right? That is very much connected to data, right? That, you know, we, we and that's why I, I, I see a lot of um, opportunities in digital twins and, and actually trying to create a replica, a digital replica of the world. Of course, it's maybe a bit of sci-fi, but you know, <laughs> we, we're seeing some, some quite interesting examples in this domain. And I, I, I don't think that it's too far off to say that, you know, we, we could create digital twins of forests uh, in the very, very near future. Interesting. So that that's stuff about work, but what are you curious about now? So what, what's really kind of driving you at the moment? What are you interested in? What are you thinking about? It's a very interesting question. So I would say in the short term, it's anything related to what, what will happen to the way we work. Twitter announced that their staff can work remotely forever if they want. That's quite interesting, right? Uh, of course, Twitter is one of those digital first companies and, and we are not. They don't have factories such, I mean, we do. But still, I don't think it's utopian or dystopian, depending on how you want to look at it, <laughs> to imagine a future where the workplace has really changed. I mean, what is really the point of having a lot of very expensive real estate in, in the city of, 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 in the center of cities? With a lot of office space where people just sit as robots, just, you know, typing on their computers or sitting in endless online meetings. I mean, it, it's I, I think this without being cynical, COVID-19 and the crisis we're currently going through pivots a certain change in the way we live and the way we expect to live. We see a lot of efficiency gains. People 
truly understand now that actually you can work from home. Of course, there's a puzzle, you know, in the private life, uh, especially in, in countries that are in lockdown at the moment, you know, they have to have their kids at home, etc. But if we think yeah. beyond that, when kids are back in school and, you know, things are normalized again, will it bring more or less value to companies, for example, if people go back to sit in their offices? Uh, I mean, my personal opinion is that if Twitter can do it, why not do ransom? Okay. So it's the current situation has forced change in, in a number of different ways. And now it's it's the idea of, do we go back to how things were before or do we use what's happened over the last couple of months to kind of help us reevaluate what, what we should be doing and how things should be working? We're not going to go back to some old normal, right? We just have to accept that there is a new normal. But we're, we're gradually starting to see the patterns, right? But then in more in the long term, I mean, you asked me what I'm curious about. I'm also very curious about, you know, the merge of human biology and, and, and technology. And of course, now we're, we're entering maybe a bit of sci-fi mode here. But, you know, we, we can already now control computers with our minds. Right. It's pretty cool. Uh, of course, it's not everyday technology yet, but I think that's definitely where we will see the most interesting developments in, in the next couple of years or decade. That, you know, how do we now truly transition towards a, a screenless or deviceless society? So how can technology truly be emerged into into our bi- biology? And, and some people might be very afraid of this. Um, some might be very open. I mean, I implanted a chip a couple of years ago. I have rarely used it, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, you know, would like to experiment with this. I mean, it's only our imagination that can stop this, uh, you know, this line of thought, right? Because when you start to think about, you know, what are the consequences of merging technology and biology and, and, and you know, enhancing humanity and, or ourselves, our bodies, our minds with technology, then, you know, it's, it, that's truly fascinating. Yeah, that's really, that's very, very cool things. But also it, it goes from using a computer with your hands to controlling something with your voice to then just having something as part of you that just fuses with your own operating system almost. Exactly. And I mean, then we kind of enter truly sci-fi mode, you know, everyone connected to the grid and the matrix, blah, 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 right? But I, mean, I, I honestly sometimes think that wouldn't it be quite amazing if every living species on Earth is connected to each other? You know, we said we could create a digital twin of everything alive, right? Or everything that is on, in the world, basically, every physical object. Can you then imagine that in, in the future, every lig- living organism and everything in the world is connected to each other? I mean, quite theoretical, right? But still, would that increase or decrease the risk for conflicts, for example, if everyone is connected to everyone? Yeah. So that's kind of 8G or 9G, I guess you're, you're thinking about. <laughs> or 14G. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So that, I think that's really cool. So you've got this... What, what happens next month or the month after as the world gets back to normal? But then you've also got this long-term view, long-term thinking about how do humans function with machines and technology and data much further in the future and how does it all come together? 
Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, finish our conversation today by, by being dystopian, but maybe this is the only way we can survive as a species, to be honest. I mean, I don't see clear signs that we're taking care, t- taking care of the planet, that we're truly taking responsibility of the planet. So maybe I'm, I'm seeing that technology and, and, and you know, the, the, the merging of technology in ourselves will be one of the solutions that... Uh, makes us survive as a species and of course i mean our species will not no longer be the humans that we know today right it will be a new sort of species okay but i think i don't want to finish on that i think um store enzo leader in sustainability sweden the most sustainable country in the world so you got all of that going on but you're also working with other companies to try and innovate and drive things forward and make make good things happen so it's been great hearing you talk about all of those things and i think it's it's a nice way to finish if we leave it there i totally agree and thank you for hosting me today well um it's been a pleasure talking to you it's really to say interesting to hear the the views and the thoughts of people like yourself so um thank you very much i think we've had a good chat so thank you roland thank you Okay, so I think Roland is another great example of a Nordic future maker, someone who's driving things forward and really kind of making innovation happen. So I hope you have enjoyed the podcast. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast and I hope you will listen again in the future.